Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Hey there, thanks for joining us. Are you tired of the fight? Fed up with the struggle? Done lying to yourself about the next time? Hold on. We don't believe you've come this far to only come this far. Whether you stumbled on our podcast or connected intentionally, we think you may just be where the next right step of your recovery is about to happen. Faith in your recovery may be just what you need. Faith in Your Recovery has become a true source of help and hope for those battling SUD, substance use disorder. We also call that addiction. Those strugglers were once forgotten, cast out, discarded. They're now proving to each other that recovery is possible. Where negativity, desperation, and hopelessness once lived, there's now a path to a healthy and successful future. After airing 60 episodes, this one's going to have a bit of a twist. Over our 14 months of providing programs, we've grown in listener numbers and outreach. Today, we want to remind you of who we are and what we are about. We're going to turn the table, or maybe I should say the microphones, and instead of me doing the interview, I'm going to be interviewed by Rob Spalding, friend, executive director of the Christian Center here in Anderson, Indiana. It is in their studio with the help of Eric Foley that we produce our podcast. We want to introduce or reintroduce to you our parent organization, A Better Life, Brianna's Hope, and then we'll talk to you about the wonderful things God's doing with our podcast, Faith in Your Recovery. Rob, thanks for helping us out. Thank you for having me. Go or ahead. in this case, I guess I'm having you, Alan, if I'm interviewing you. Hey, you're the boss today, all right? <laughs> a lot of responsibility. Introduce yourself to the folks. Tell them a little more than I just did. Please. Yes, thank you, Randy. First of all, this is a real honor uh, to be here. I love the podcast, and I love the work that you do. So this is a real honor to have the opportunity to interview you. So thank you for inviting me. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate your willingness to help accomplish this. I think it's an important thing that we inform the folks of who we are, what we're about, what we can offer, and introduce them to Brianna's story, our past, our present, and our plans for the future. That's awesome. Well, first of all, who am I? I am. My name is Rob Spaulding. I'm the executive director of the Christian Center Rescue Ministry. Um, uh, we serve, um, we have about a dozen different services that we provide to people all over East Central Indiana. So we're just really thankful for um, the opportunity to do that. My background um, is in, I'm, I was born and raised here in central Indiana, and uh, my background is in finance and accounting and all those things that you would not expect uh, of somebody who is running a homeless shelter and a, and a sober living facility. Um, but that's my background, and I've lived here forever. And uh, uh, like most people we know, um, addictions has, has touched my life and those in my family. And um, it's just a great opportunity, I think, for us to have this conversation, to talk about what you guys are doing, and, uh, and just the great work that's going on in general. 
Sounds like it's going to be an interesting time I'm here. I'm so. looking forward to it. So here we go. That's Have awesome. at it. You open the door and I'll walk through it. Great, great. Well, first of all, um, let's just start with a background. Um, Randy, I'd like to hear maybe your bio, your background, some of the things of how you got to where you're at today and uh, what has motivated you um, to not just... Um, to start uh, Better Life Brianna's Hope, but also the podcast and all the other things that are going on. My motivation comes mainly from God and the way he has given me a, a strong desire, a passion to reach out to the underdog. I've always been blessed, not necessarily with wealth, though I've never been without a meal or a roof, but I've been blessed just to experience life as I have and I want to see other folks lifted up and encouraged. I want to see them helped and to move to becoming that person God created them to be. Right, because those underdogs all have a story, don't they? Oh, I love those stories. Right, right. And they're inspirational to me. This isn't me reaching down to them. We're just reaching across the table to one another. Amen. Amen. And, and the one thing that's important about that is that once you learn someone's story, it's hard to judge them, isn't it? Oh, and you cannot tell your story without telling the story of others. There's right. always a head shaking in agreement. Okay. Yeah. I've been there. I've right. done that to get it. Amen. And, uh, even those of us who maybe haven't been where they've been still need to know what that life's about in order to respect them as we should. So I am actually from Delaware County. I'm a Delta High School graduate, a couple of years at Ball State University, and a couple of years at the U.S. Army stationed in Frankfurt, Germany as a finance clerk, having gone through Fort Benjamin Harrison in the days of old. That's okay. awesome, yes. And uh, it was a great experience and something I needed in my maturity at that time of my life. I'm thankful for it. I left Ball State University. My brother had just been drafted going to Vietnam and... That's one of the reasons I went to Ball State was to get that that certificate that said, due to my education, uh, I was exempted. But with him going, I knew they wouldn't send me as well. So I stepped away from Ball State University where I was majoring in radio and television broadcasting, joined the Army, 14 of the best months I was able to travel, enjoy so much, came home. The wife was able to go back. It was a great experience. Came out of there, fumbled around through several different jobs, a lot of construction. My dad was in construction. At the age of 33, I found a calling in a home in pulpit ministry, pastoring a church. During that time, it gave me a chance to exercise and learn a greater and a deeper love for people and their experiences. Enjoyed it totally. Did that for the next uh, 35 years. About four years ago, I retired. But four years prior to my retirement, I was into a project called the Veterans Gift Cards. What we would do would we'd collect funds of $5, go out and buy McDonald's meal cards, present them to veterans at VA hospitals throughout Indiana, parades, 
legions, wherever we could find them, and we'd listen to their story. That gave me an inspiration to realize I still had more in me. So I stepped away from that, and within a period of three months, a young lady in our area by the name of Brianna DeBatiste was reported as missing. From there, we moved ahead to the creation of a better life, Brianna's Hope. Uh, is there more with that that I could address for you, Rob, my bio? Or? Sure, I would love that. I, I always had the sense listening to your podcast that it's very personal. Um, I hope so. It, it feels very personal. And so the, the connection with Brianna, could you expand on that? Because I'd be interested to hear a little more why that the sense of that is so, it feels personal. Yes. Uh, I am actually from Red Key, Indiana, a community. I live rural. But the community itself, 1,300 of everybody's home, okay? <laughs> but just like any small community, you take a couple, three names that they're having family reunions, you've cut the population in half. But that's the way it works. Through all of that, my wife was a teacher in Albany, Indiana, taught first grade. We got word that Brianna had disappeared uh, unknowingly, without any clues of what was going on. And Brianna's aunt, who lives within a mile of where I live, had been in my wife's second year of teaching, her second class. I made a contact with her. We knew other family members, asked them as a pastor if I could come alongside, just encouraged to help, to walk with them, to be there. They were more than happy to take advantage of that offer. That changed my life. As I said, that was like four years before my retirement. Right up to that moment, I had thought retirement was going to be just putting a rear end in a lazy boy. Okay, that's my mechanical <laughs> right. skills. Uh, that didn't happen. Connected with the family, moved forward with that, it was 10 weeks then before Brianna's body was found after mm. her disappearance. I had connected with Brianna twice in the Jay County Jail when her mother had called and said, she's in again for drug charges. Would you go speak to her? And I went to speak to her both times. But that's, that's all I knew about her. So uh, after connecting with the family and her body being found 10 weeks later, laying atop the ground, covered over with brush, so we know somebody placed her there. It was in an abandoned cemetery in the western part of Jay County near Ridgeville, Indiana. When her body was found, to be quite honest, her left arm, right hand, and her head were all missing. Now, let me explain that. There were enough gnaw marks there that we know it was the critters that did it being out in the elements for sure. that long. It was not a decapitation by anyone else. I want to be clear on that. But no one has ever stepped up to say they were involved. They never, pardon the expression, could find that, that piece of evidence, that smoking gun, to where they could truly charge somebody in any way with this. And it's believed that her demise was due to her 
her own drug issues, her addictions that began in seventh grade by 12th grade, though she was a uh, homecoming queen candidate known as a friend to the friendless, an aspiring fashion designer. By 12th grade, there wasn't a drug she wasn't using. By the time she was 25, which was her age at death, she was a full-blown heroin addict. So the belief is that she went to a party, overdosed, whether it was forced on her, voluntary, we do not know at this point. Someone panicked, took her body, and hit it where it was found there 10 weeks later. So someone's uh, daughter just thrown away. There's no better way to put it. As harsh as that sounds, folks, that's exactly the It was discarded. It was trashed. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't of enough value to even dump in someone's yard to where she would at least be found. Right. That's just incomprehensibly tragic. It, um, it was. And I don't want to say there was an upside to the loss, but the upside to the way it happened was simply that after her story appearing three times on the front page of the Muncie Star, no longer could Jay County say, we don't have a problem. Right. Her face was on the front page twice. Right. Isn't, that, isn't it typical, though, that the small town, the, the Scottsburgs, the small towns in Indiana and, uh, and all across the country that have – drug problems that we want to believe are just big city problems. Oh, absolutely. Over the years, the past eight years that I've been involved with this, we've been in two communities that made it clear. And the words from one community was, we don't need your kind, meaning Mm. recovery. We don't need your kind in our community because of the reputation it'll give us. The other community made it quite clear they didn't have a problem. Right. My biggest mistake, Rob, was not inviting them. I should have invited them to go with me to tell others how their community could get along without having a problem. Right. That was as much denial as anybody's ever had an addiction. Which is a which is in and of itself, it's a big part of the problem is the denial and the and the ignoring this because it happened to this young lady, but it couldn't possibly happen to. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. So after 10 weeks, uh, Brianna's body was found, and then there was a memorial service? Yes. That was held right at the 1st of October, and this was in 2014. She had disappeared on June 16 of 2014. Her body was found September 1st. The memorial service was held October 3rd, and there were... In a period of three hours, there were 450 to 500 individuals that came through for what we traditionally call the viewing. Well, her body was the condition. Uh, It was a closed casket kind of thing. Mm. And of that 450, 500 individuals, I have no problem saying one-third of them got home not knowing where they had been. You know, you could tell by the glassed over look in the eyes. Sure. You could tell by so much that was going on. But how does someone who struggles with addiction 
muster up the strength to go see a friend in a casket or see their picture for the final time. Yes. Without that drug they've depended on for so long. But, so, but something drew them there. Yes. Uh, her closeness, the recognition, I believe, that this could be any one of us at any time. Yeah. And so, yeah, I believe that's yeah. a big part of it. You know, trauma plays such a big role oh, in addiction. And, and often, I think one of the things that we, we have to remember is that um, often the addict, and most of the time the addict, is, a, um, is somebody that has a significant amount of trauma or possibly, so they're a broken person who behaves like a broken person. Absolutely. And that's their escape until they learn a better, healthier way to get away from it. Yes. Right. Yes. So tell me, how did, how did the first meeting, how did all that unfold for a Brianna's, uh, a better... Um, yes, yes. A better yes, life. Brianna's a better life, Brianna's Hope, yes. Yeah. Sorry. That happened November 5, 2014 in Ridkey, Indiana. So you didn't waste any time. We tried to That's make a, this happen to, yeah. So a uh, month after her memorial service, you're having a first meeting. Yes. Months awesome. and two days. Excellent. Uh, it was a fresh thing and everybody was hurting and it was on the top of everybody's list. What are we going to do to keep this from happening? After working it out with the family, we were able to hold this at what was then a former bank building that was empty at the time. We had 22 individuals at that meeting, which was a nice-sized group. Uh, it eventually grew to over 80 in that building, which was extremely small. And that's when individuals started stepping up and saying, hey, can I take this to my hometown? I'll lead a group. And we worked out training to help get them off to the best possible start and make them, you know, the greatest difference they could make. And that's how we rolled. That's, so what is the framework, I guess, the guidelines and the standards for that meeting and for... I'll even describe a meeting to you here in a moment, though okay. uh, it's like... Any group, no two meetings are the same, but there are certainly some common factors. As an identity statement, we call ourselves a participant-driven, faith-based, compassion-filled support and recovery movement for those battling the battle with substance use disorder slash addiction. We have a a foundational document that I think is important to mention. We call it Brianna's Prayer. Brianna's Prayer was written by Brianna three days before her body was located. Her mother found it in some of her personal belongings, Brianna's, and shared it with me, and we've since made it a major part of every meeting we have. I'd like to share it with you folks. Remember, this is from one of those individuals that was called a worthless addict whose body was discarded, thrown away. This is her words. Please, Lord, look after me and my family. Please help me to do the right thing and to show people I'm not a bad person inside or out. And help me, Lord, to get through this disappointment again and know I make mistakes, but who doesn't? I don't do it to do wrong. I do it because I feel I have no other choice. I want a better life, Lord, I do. Please help me. 
do to me is what you feel is best. I surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. That sounds like a lot of people's prayer. Wow. Uh, That's powerful because that sounds like a lot of people have that same prayer. It it fits a lot of lives. Uh, Our meetings, this is the only thing we require that a meeting do, should, you know, should accomplish, that they somewhere in that meeting start, middle, end, share this prayer. It can be on the screen. It can be handouts. It can be one person reading it. It can be out of memorization. It can be in unison. We don't care. I do not want a meeting or a gathering, even our board meetings, without this prayer being used. It's, as I said earlier, that foundational document that we kind of base ourselves on, okay? And as a mission statement, we don't use it as much as the identity statement, but our mission statements providing hope through Christ to individuals and communities, battling addiction, using support, encouragement, and collaboration. We continue to remind folks we are faith based, not faith forced or faith expected. We're going to live our faith. You can live your life, and we hope we can influence you to to follow Christ in that. So that's part of who we are, Rob. That's amazing. So that began in the fall of 2014. Yes. And today, what is, uh, we've seen a lot of growth. We have the podcast now. Um, what is that growth? What do the statistics look like? <laughs> I'm, I'm proud to share this with you here. Right now, we are at 47 chapters. We are 40 chapters in the state of Indiana, four chapters in Ohio. No, that's five, excuse me, five in Ohio, one in the state of Virginia, and one in South Carolina, not far from Myrtle Beach. Uh, I'd like to visit that one more often, okay, especially this time of year. Uh, We're in like 27 Indiana counties, three Ohio counties, one in Virginia, one in South Carolina, have a total attendance of somewhere around 900 to 1,000. Pre-COVID, we were at 1,100 plus. We have been able to assist financially, and with other means of support, over 1,700 individuals to get into treatment. Uh, We currently have at least 80 of those who have attended our meetings and kind of graduated out of there and moved on to to a higher level of living. We currently have 80 members who are involved as employees in the recovery field. And that's, that's a neat thing, uh, to raise them up and to see them out there giving them themselves. We have had over 700 commit or recommit to Christ through our faith-based effort. We've spoken over 24,000 students, grades K to 12. I can give you the names of eight to 10 recovery groups, organizations that have reported to us, they've modeled themselves after our design. That have been birthed out of what, what yes. you're doing as well. Yes, That's spawned amazing. from us. Yeah. Uh, 
And the old idea of imitation, the best form of flattery, we accept that. Amen. And we also count their success as a part of our success. Absolutely. Uh, we're involved in 17, 18 different denominations. But what is big for us right now? None of that's little. And I don't demean any of that. But what's the most exciting for me right now is what we're doing right here, Rob, this Faith in Your Recovery podcast that's available on all major podcasts. There's a new episode that airs each Friday. We continue to state that we're about all things recovery. That means we'll interview guests that are from the medical and healthcare professionals, those that have struggled with addiction, family members of strugglers, law enforcement, community leaders, members of multiple recovery groups and others, anybody who's been touched by addiction. Our number one listen to podcast was an interview with a gentleman by the name of Dan Watson. Dan is the former mayor of Dunkirk, Indiana. He's an engineer, having gotten his education at Purdue, and we've forgiven him for that, all right? <laughs> but regardless, Dan's son died an overdose death. His daughter battles addiction. She's doing great now, is my understanding. But his story will knock your socks off. The letter his son left behind, his son and his fiance had just had a child, and within a week, Justin had passed away due to overdose. Mm. And Justin's future wife, at that time, they were engaged to be married. We interviewed her 16-year-old daughter because her father by birth had died of overdose. This is Lily I'm talking about. And then Dustin died of overdose. When you bring a 16-year-old young lady, just just a sweetheart who's a you know cheerleader at the Jay County High School into a place like this and hear her story, it's pretty humbling to know the pain she went through. Uh, we just, just within the past day or two, have worked out the fact that January 8th, our podcast will be going to Mix105Indie.com Internet Radio. Uh, it'll be available on Sunday mornings, bright and early at 5.30 a.m., but if you're listening in London, that's not all bad, okay? They've got a lot <laughs> of Because it's all over there. the world. Yeah. Yes. And then... Sunday mornings at 7.45, our local station for Portland, Indiana, WPGW Radio at 100.9. They do our podcast as a part of their worship lineup. And what's neat about that, folks, I fill in at different churches. As I said, I'm a retired pastor. I still fill in a lot. They'll come up to me and say, hey, when I got up this morning, I heard your podcast. These are people who'll never attend a meeting and start to understand. 
But hearing it on the radio, they're starting to understand the struggle. Yeah, there's a lot of power in that podcast. Oh, oh, there, are, it, there are, once again, you hear a, a person's story, you hear their journey, and what you want to do is you want to go in and think, well, you know, we're somehow better than. Um, and then you hear people's stories and you realize how real their stories and real their lives are and how real their journey to get them there is. Oh and, and it changes the way you... Uh, view that and it makes it 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 brings i've always believed in and we need to put things on a shelf that everyone can reach and i believe this puts the recovery conversations and understanding people who are in recovery um and hearing their stories it puts them it puts that on a shelf that everyone can reach Uh, and that's the power of that if you can't hear the hurt you mentioned earlier some of those adverse childhood experiences one of our stories, the young lady at the age of nine was introduced to drugs by her babysitter. You know, it, it was nothing she would have chosen at nine, but it's okay if it's coming from the babysitter, right? Uh, they're to be trusted. There, it's that trust relationship. Oh, yeah. There are That's other so stories to where it was an innocent thing. One of our last interviews, the young man shared with us a story during his military time in Iraq of an IED that exploded beneath their Hummer and the damage it did to his foot and leg and the shrapnel effect, the pain that he went through, the length of time he was in the hospital, 13 months on a pain drip of some type, where he got hooked on that, and when he got away from it, went into harder street drugs and everything that created. Not everybody's out there hunting for a high. Some just don't know how to let go of the moments they found themselves in. One last thing on the podcast for now. We're thrilled, excited about this, and I think it gives validity to who we are in November of this year 2022, podstatus.com reported to us that among all not-for-profit podcasts on the Apple platform, which is number one as far as platforms in the entire United States, we were ranked number 53. That's amazing. Oh, that's, that's just, incredible news. If I had hair, it'd curl. Right, <laughs> that's right. all there is to it. Which is, which is just further reminder that what you're doing matters. It, it, it has hit a chord with, with uh, the listener, and it matters. Rob, I'll tell you, I'm a man of faith, and I've seen God work in this in ways I've never seen him work before in my ministry, my life. And I, he, his ways are just so far beyond mine. His vision so much better. He sees it. He shows us the path, and we're doing our best to follow it. So that's that's gotten us this far. Yeah. And you know, uh, another reminder in that is that God doesn't waste any of this, you know, and that, that God uses these things to, to help others. And he's using uh, Brianna's tragedy oh my. in a way to touch the lives of so many others. And you, you mentioned earlier that there were 1,700 people in treatment f- through this program. And to think that that's more than in that community. 
Yes. Uh, that entire community is so powerful. That's just like pick them up and move them to the rehab. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if I'm a listener and I want more information, maybe I want to uh, to know how to get a, a chapter of A Better Life, Brianna's Hope in my community or in my church or uh, my civic group or wherever. How would they go about doing that? Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Number one, if you have any kind of further interest in who we are and what we're about, that we haven't offered, go to our website, A blbh.org simply the initials for a better life brianna's hope uh there is a drop down there that you can go to that even explains how to get a chapter in your community and folks we don't care where you're at you don't have to be in indiana as we've already told you we're in three other states so with four uh, that leaves, we've got 46 states to go, and uh, we'd love to to help you make one happen there locally. Your church, group, club, organization will come in and do the training. Check out our website. Contact our office. Our email is info at ablbh.org. You can get a hold of us there. The website has all kinds of contact info. Then we come in, we do a 90-minute intro info session. If you're still interested, we'll come back and do a three, three-and-a-half-hour training. And then with a little bit of help and some swag and some other gifts and support, you're ready to open up and get things rolling in your community. Understand. What keeps us unique and our unique selling point, we are not a 12-step. We have no issue with 12-step. We overlap. We use some of those steps, but that's not who we are. We have our own design. Some people have found that refreshing and helpful. Some are not ready for the rigid rules. We get that. Others are. You can float from one to to the other, but we're open to be there with you and for you to the best of our abilities. So, yeah. And if you have questions about the podcast, hey, you can get us a podcast at ablbh.org. So uh, there's some information for contact. We'd love to hear from you. ablbh.org. You got it. Great. That's awesome. If somebody wanted to support you monetarily... We have PayPal that they could go through. Uh, it's all set up on our website at ablbh.org. You could do that. Send check. Uh, the address is there. Give our office a call. If you're wanting to give, we'll find a way to help make it as easy on you as possible. We are a 501c3, which allows you that you know, that tax right. Sure, the tax tax deduction, absolutely. Yes. yes. That's great. Now, so you've been around eight years now. Yes. Okay. Yes. So um, I want to say that this has been, it sounds because you've grown so much. Um, I listened to an earlier pod, uh, podcast, maybe from a little over a year ago. Uh-huh. You were at 37 chapters then. So you've grown quite a bit in the last year. And obviously the podcast has a wonderful reach as well, but it hasn't been easy the whole way, has it? (laughs) No. Uh, 
in between there, there was that little thing called COVID. I think most people are familiar with that. <laughs> right. Uh, that made it very difficult for meetings. We had to go to remote meetings, so to speak, and uh, that certainly thwarted our growth uh, just simply because of the social distancing. But uh, financially, God's blessed, but it continues to cost, and the cost is always going up. And we, we work hard to get folks into treatment. Uh, we have peer recovery coaches we can bring on board. We can make several calls. We'll talk to you. If you'll own it and you're sincere, we'll give you the chance. We want to be there. That's awesome. You know, I heard on an earlier um, episode, um, you said that, um, that you often felt like a boomerang and that you could be thrown away, but you'd come right back. Uh, that, and, I, and I loved that point because that's what I see here in the last years and, and the same way with uh, COVID. COVID shut down so many things, but you would not let that shut you down. No, uh, that's always been my attitude in life. You know, I may have to turn my back for a moment, but I'm not going to walk away because of who you are. Yeah. Uh, the the situation, it may be the best thing to step back so we're not enabling, but that idea, the boomerang, uh, I want you to be you. I want to be me. Together we'll come together even if we've got to go full circle. Right. Right. Because that's what it requires, really, is a tenacity. It's that continuing to show up and to continuing to just keep bouncing back. That's it. You're going to find out in recovery, there are few who reach what they call recovery without a relapse. And we're all into relapse. We all relapse our behaviors, be it with our spouse, our children, our parents. Uh, It may not be as deadly as something that could contain fentanyl. But we all have our relapse moments. I think of Peter in the scriptures, his stumbling, his relapses. We've got to accept people with that. We don't have to like it, but we've got to accept people regardless of that. Right, right. So earlier, when I would ask you for your bio and you would tell me that how you you got to where you're at, but what if you weren't doing this? So, for example, um, I went to school to be a finance guy, and I had addictions touched my life via uh, relatives and family members, but I've never been a recovery guy. I've never been engaged in that, and yet God sort of navigated moving me out of, of being a chief financial officer into running a homeless shelter and a sober living facility and all the other services that we do, because you never know where God's going to lead you next. <laughs> so if you weren't doing this, if you weren't doing this today, and you suggested that you might be spending time in a lazy boy, but I don't, knowing your energy, I would be surprised to see that happened. I honestly don't know what I'd be doing if it wasn't for this and continued ministry. I have always been a people person by nature. Uh, I had the good fortune years ago of doing the announcing of several sports at the local high school, coaching, middle school football and wrestling. I was a substitute teacher. If I had not been called into ministry in my earlier years, I would have wanted it to have been as a teacher to the middle school age children. I love that age. I would find a way to be involved with them today if I wasn't doing this. And that's one of the joys of getting to go into schools and speak, to know that you're 
impacting. And to take three or four people along who have been there and done that, got scars to prove it, telling their stories, and you just see head shake and chins drop. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wanted to point out, as we've been talking, the word, uh, two words keep coming up. That is faith and hope. Um, hope, hope has its reasons, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes that reason is grounded in desperation. I just, you know, hope for a way to get out of this. Yeah. Uh, and faith becomes your hope. And that's the way you're able to climb out of that hole sometimes. Yeah, there's something that's so forward-looking in an encouraging manner that hope provides us. And I love that. And I, I love the fact that that word is used within all of this, this context so much. So, How Lindsay, an author, once said, without hope, we've only got a, one second breath left Dennis. Right. Uh, yeah. That's beautiful. Uh, Randy, this has been a real pleasure. Um, you normally end your podcast with this. The name of this podcast is Faith in Your Recovery. What do these four words mean to you? I've used that question more times than I've answered it. Okay. Right. Right. So I, you said we were going to turn the tables. Absolutely. And so there you go. I respect that. Faith in your recovery means to me, you're not going to do it on your own. Uh, it takes more than a village, more than your family, more than your friends. It takes all of that together. But at the head of all of that, if you'll place God, the rest will be easier. Please, don't misunderstand me. I didn't say easy. Easier, because you'll have a strength that'll be above and beyond your own that you just couldn't muster up at the gym or in your head or heart. But faith in your recovery requires faith in yourself, faith in God, faith in those around about you, and faith in your future. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Randy, thank you for the impact that you and this podcast uh, have had on the recovery community and in helping us all learn more about what's going on. And I just want to thank you for having me in and, and uh, giving me the honor of having a chance to have this conversation with you. So thank you very much. And God bless you, my friend. And thank you. Thank you for your willingness to be involved. And folks, don't hesitate to contact us. We want to hear from you and we want to continue to impact lives of those who are struggling and those who are around the strugglers. We care. We can prove it. You hang in there. Don't give up your answer. Maybe just around the corner. Who knows? Maybe in our next episode of Faith in Your Recovery. God bless. Amen. <laughs>